Listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Barrow. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. On the Padawan Perspective, the multi-generational podcast of the Star Wars Report Second Airport Podcast Division. Sweet. Welcome to the Padawan Perspective, your multi-generational podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Herleman. And joining me today, we have my Padawan daughter, Taylor Jade. Hello. And from our Southern Cali Jedi Enclave, we have Jedi Master Baron Lawton and his Padawan Pharaoh. What's up, gentlemen? Hello, for the rebellion. Yeah, for the rebellion. <laughs> I was so unsure. I... <laughs> are you going to go sit you, on you me? Sound like, uh... You sound like one of those rebel kids that are drug along. You're like, I'm here for the rebellion. Yeah, like I don't I know if he's going to go sit on me, man. He's like, for the rebellion or for the inquisitor i'm not sure but we're good to be back either way that's true hey and up first we recently had a new trailer splash across our feeds we're going to go take a moment here we're going to talk about it break it down and just give it the look see over see what it's all about so uh barrett with that why don't you hit the play button and get us rolling now as we're watching this trailer live we're going to comment oh the ATATs. yeah do you think that's Kylo in a flashback picking up his saber, or do you think that's something that's happening in the moment? I think that's happening in the moment. Ooh. That's Doo-doo. the Imperial March. Doo-doo. That's the sped Doo-doo. up Imperial March right there. Then Luke takes his saber back. Cool. I noticed that Luke still has his blaster hole in his hand. Luke's hand coming out of some rubble. So he was buried with something under something. Wait, why, why do you want to have Kylo Ren have like a talent? Let's try this. It looks like he that's, peloid over. That's a band-aid. Oh, it's like super weird. Leia using the force. Why are forks so high up? I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. The forecasting. Forgography. Your dad's gonna change your name to Forgo. <laughs> Crystalline wolves. Now, you think Luke and Ray have a disagreement? 
No, I don't think so. I think that's misdirection here. It was him in the background. Ray better not go dark on me. I need her. <laughs> you know what that music meant? The feels. It felt like I was yelling. You might have been. You might have been. I'm all, I can't lose her. So <laughs> you you don't want Ray going dark. Is no, that what you're saying? No, not unless it's the entire other rainbow. Okay, okay, real dark. quick, around the board. Pharaoh, what do you – Ray dark. Are you in the yay or nay? Um, Nay. Nay all day. It, nay all day. Like, Barrett? I, she, uh, go ahead. No, go she, ahead. She's, no, she's, absolutely. She's always been, you know, the good the good person, and we've only known her for one movie, so it's like, oh, if she, she can't change. Dark, if she goes dark, I feel like she's going to be the biggest threat to everybody. No way she's going dark. She, she can't go dark unless everybody else goes dark with her. There's so, no way so she's Barrett going dark. Think exactly so no, no, she is she is the franchise player right now of Star Wars for Disney. If you ever watch basketball, they have a franchise player on every team, okay? And that person <laughs> can do no wrong. She is the franchise player. There's no way she's going dark. No way. We already so, have a Kylo Ren storyline where he's fighting the light in the dark. So it doesn't make any sense for her to do it as well. So there's no way. She's going to stay light. She's not going dark at all. She's going to be the beacon of light at the end of the tunnel. But sometimes the light at the end of the, ti- at the, end of the tunnel hides the demon. Oh. Well, see, and, and you also don't – you think that the scene between her and Luke is misdirection, and that's the scene that really makes me wonder if there's going to be some kind of a misunderstanding between the two because, you know, when we see her and him last, they're together on that island. And yet we also see Ray being tortured by Snoke in what appears to be his throne room. He's got his, his gold robe. Uh, it looks like he's sitting in his chair, and she's definitely being tortured through the force by someone. And the question is, so how did she leave Luke? And we see that scene where she jumps into the water, and Luke's on the on the water, and he's like, this is not going to go the way you think it does. It makes me wonder if she sees something in a vision or gets a piece of information or Luke says or does something that makes her not trust Luke, and she leaves Luke seeking something else. I don't know. Yeah. That would be a whole misdirection that'd be a whole nother way to go i mean this whole time the whole movie she's seeking out luke snoke says a line and i want to ask the padawans this snoke says in the in the trailer when i first discovered you i saw the raw power but then there was something special does that mean that snoke is the one that discovered ray so snoke could be ray's father what no no what how could snoke be what no I don't, that doesn't. I don't think that makes sense genetically or physically or, at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That brings up to something else. So I don't remember which episode it was. I think it was the one where Yo- Yoda was like dying and stuff, and Luke was like his deathbed side. Episode six. <laughs> yeah, and Yoda was all like, "You were the last Jedi," and then this ends up happening. It seems that Luke is like trying to train Rey and everything. If Luke is the last Jedi, does that mean something is going to happen to Rey or what? 
sense. Mm-hmm. No, there, there's some serious, serious as, as you put it, Baron, misdirection going on here. I mean, it looks like we see Kylo about to shoot his, shoot his mom down. Uh, yet, if you look in the background, like the crew and stuff aren't moving like they're about to be shot down. So maybe that's her, like you said, using the force and feeling the attack about to come. We see her kind of being offered a hand by Kylo at the end, but the backgrounds don't quite line up. So, yeah, there's definitely some misdirection going on. But I wonder about the fear angle. You know, we hear Luke talk. We see Luke's eyes when he sees her, you know, doing a display of the force and it cracks the ground. And you get the impression that the person he's talking about is Kylo as Ben Solo when the the academy falls. So I wonder if, you know, he starts training her and then he realizes, you know, she's really powerful and he sees that and it awakens the fear inside of him. Because, like, for me, Luke doesn't just run. You know, I mean, something had to scare the hell out of him. And I, I, for me, losing Ben to Snoke and losing his order and everything, like, that's it. And that puts him in a very dark place, a place that he's tempted by darkness. And what if, because he starts to fear her, it starts to drive a misunderstanding between the two to the point that Ray starts to maybe think things aren't the way Luke's saying. And it takes her going on a further journey to realize that things weren't that direction. But when they leave, they leave on a bad note because it definitely looks like during that scene, they're both in what looks like a watery well type place together. So, I mean, of all the scenes that seem like misdirection, this one seems like it's the one that's also the closest to showing us a scene. In the original trilogy, Luke is not scared of anything. He's always going towards the evil. Yoda tells him, you're not ready. He goes and fights Darth Vader anyway to save his friends on the Cloud City. He turns himself over to the Emperor. It, he goes into Jabba the Hutt's lair. It doesn't seem like he's scared of anything. All of a sudden, he's scared. There has to be a dark side to Rey. One, it could either be Rey has an evil side to her. Two, it could be that her power is such so strong that it could either be like Elsa the trolls and stuff were all like, like, your power is so very beautiful, but it could also lead to great danger. It could That could be the force for Rey. She might have some good power to take down some bad people or some good people. I'm not completely sure. It seems like with age, he should get wiser and more cautious of things, kind of like Yoda and, um, and Obi-Wan. But... I, I, but now I'm thinking it's kind of the opposite for Luke. Like, old age has made him think that he's weak and made him afraid of more things than he was, like, as a kid. Oh, that makes sense. I know I'm afraid of things more than when I was a kid. Like, I can't go on to um, scary rides anymore. <laughs> I won't go on <laughs> on those high-pitched drop rides. I'm like, nope, no. Oh, thanks. the free fall? Oh, my gosh. I'm all just, just kill me now. Could you imagine flying the way Kylo was, like, in the Battlefront 2 game? Like, I kept thinking about that. Like, it looks good in theory, but when you're doing that kind of twirl, like, that gets dizzying really fast. That's, what That's like. where I get the impression oh. that Leia kind of gets gets a, a force vision of what's about to happen in that scene. And you almost get the sense, like, she tells Kylo or Poe to, to go and get help, you know? Because it definitely looks like he's not just fleeing to get out of there. It looks like he's leaving people behind. The trailer, I, I didn't even really pay that much attention to Poe. Like, he got kind of, like, written out of the last movie, like, halfway through. And I, I really am not interested in his in his story this time around. So I, I'm sorry what? to say, I did not I did not notice. No no Poe-mance, huh? Did you notice? <laughs> no, I didn't. There's a lot of things you bring up I didn't notice. And you guys watched it more than we did. <laughs> 
Uh, either way, I can't wait. We're, we're not that far out. Uh, so with that, let's go ahead and jump into the kids' row proper. Pharaoh, why don't you lead us in? Twin Sons is the 20th episode of the animated television series Star Wars Rebels' third season. It aired March 18th, 2017 on Disney XD. Kids' row. The official description reads... Maul arrives on Tatooine seeking revenge against his nemesis, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ezra, meanwhile, heads to the desert planet, hoping to reach the Jedi Master first. Or as we get on cable, reacting to vision of Maul, Ezra defies Hera and Kanan to travel to a remote planet in hopes of, of stopping the former Sith Lord of carrying out his plans. The IMDB states, Reacting to a vision of Maul, Ezra defies Hera and Kanan to travel to a remote planet in hopes of stopping the former Sith Lord from carrying out his plan. Ooh. That's, plans. That's, that's, that's the exact same one as, as we get on cable. Really? IMDb, they're skimping out on us this week. Well, the rundown for this one, we find out Maul is closing in on Kenobi. He decides to lay a trap. He uses parts of the Sith and the Jedi holocrons that he and Ezra used on Malachor to lure Ezra to Tatooine to draw out Kenobi. So what does fate hold in store for all of us under the twin suns? Well, we'll have to get into it. Now, as we always do, we always ask a question to the Padawans. And this week we ask, what is the significance of Kenobi's phrase, I will mend this old wound? He's going to end it. You know how some people are all like, oh, you started it first. And then the other person's all like, well, I'm going to end it. Some, some snobbery. Some, yeah. Some tomfoolery. Jovial <laughs> <laughs> banter between two arch enemies. I will mend this own wound or this old wound. I think this just, I think it means like he's just going to get rid of it, like mending, like getting rid of. So he's just going to just destroy Maul basically, or just get rid of Maul from Ezra's life. What do you think he means by old wound specifically? Because, um, Maul has been a problem in the past for Ezra and the, and the whole crew. So it's like, it's like an old scar and he, he, Obi-Wan's going to get rid of it. In the universe, yeah, it, basically Maul is a problem that Kenobi has to end. But outside of that, this actually is a reference to an EU Infinity story, which is a story that didn't even really line up with the Legends continuity. So it didn't exactly happen. Uh, but it was called Old Wounds, and in it, we find out that Darth Maul hadn't died, which at that time was something that hadn't happened before because they hadn't brought him back in, in the Clone Wars. And in it, he came back with robotic legs, and he had longer horns, and he comes to kill Luke and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Obi-Wan has to take him down. So that reference is a little tongue-in-cheek bit to what we got there. And they even mimicked that with the Clone Wars when they brought Maul back with the robotic legs that he gets, the first set of robotic legs he gets after he does the whole arachnid thing, and his long horns. That's all based off of those original illustrations from writer uh, Aaron McBride from that Infinities, or actually it was from Star Wars Visionaries uh, that came out back in, oh, what was it, 97, I think? Man, it was so long ago. But it was one of those stories that didn't quite fit into canon, but it was it was a fan love. There were like three of these type of stories that Darth Maul had. It was this one and another one where Maul, it was a clone of Maul that fought Vader. And in it, Maul is taunting Vader. You know, you're not worthy enough to be the master's apprentice. What could you possibly hate enough to destroy me? And Vader ignites his lightsaber through his chest and into Maul's be uh, belly because Maul's behind him and he says, myself. You know, So there were some really good Infinity stories that came out of Legends. And in this regard... They found a way to present it to the fans. And for Legends fans like myself, we got a kick out of it. 
You know, I have that Visionaries. It actually was a San Diego Comic-Con special edition, like, two-pack, comic pack. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Break that out. Take a look at that. So what did you guys think of this episode overall? Uh, I felt like it was a pretty good episode. It was a great... Was it the closer of the series? Or... Not yet. All right. Felt like it though. Didn't yeah, it? I know. It it felt like a season finale. It, it was a it was a really good episode. I liked how it obviously brought back Obi Wan Kenobi. He was like the main uh, like point of the episode, and there was some big things going down in this episode. Like, can, can I spoil? Or, or am I allowed to do that? Have they already seen the episode? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. They 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 <laughs> should be sure spoiled at this point. All right. Um. You know, like Obi Wan kills Darth Maul. I felt like it's a big part of the series. This episode. Wow, I've been waiting for this episode for a long time. When when we first started seeing the trailers and kind of getting a hint that Obi-Wan was finally going to show up, because we have seen Obi-Wan in Rebels before, but he's always been a hologram. He's We saw him earlier, I think it was season two, where they're looking at the hologram and he, they kind of have, they replay his message of don't come back to the Jedi Temple, to the to the Jedi's that are still out there. Stay away. You know, the Jedi have fallen. And we finally get to see Obi-Wan Kenobi in the flesh. And man, he does not disappoint. Yeah, I like this episode. When we watched Twin Sons, it felt like the finale. And then and then it was like, oh yeah, by the way, <laughs> there is an actual finale. It had the same kind of weight that we got with Zero Hour. And Zero Hour is a two-episode, two-parter. Baron, I'm in the same boat as you where I've been waiting for this moment since the moment Maul was brought back to life. I always felt it had to be Kenobi. You know, like if it was Ahsoka or if it was Kanan or even Vader, it would taint everything that we get of Kenobi fighting Maul in episode one. Like like that was a significant moment for him that him as a Padawan in that moment is able to avenge his fallen master and take out a Sith Lord in an era that no one had seen Sith Lords in about a thousand years. So, you know, that was big. That was monumental. And then to find out, oh, well, you know, you didn't actually do anything. He's he's still around. He's still a thorn in your side. And, and oh, by the way, he got away again. Then he got away again. And, and he's still out there. You can't do anything. So that, you know, getting back to that line of I'll mend this old wound, I mean, that's that was that in-universe thing of like, I'm going to take care of the thing that I should have taken care of a long time ago. We'll we'll play it. I'll have Baron add it to the end of this episode. But I recorded with Jaina right after we watched this episode because she had a really hard time understanding why Obi-Wan would be fighting with Maul and then be comforting him in his moment of death. Um, We have that aspect of when the final blow happens, like Obi-Wan shifts like. He doesn't want to even kill Maul. It's like Maul puts him in a position where he has no choice. And in that moment, he, he does what he has to do. And then when it's over, he's reverent. He's lowering him softly like, like he is a comrade. You know, like He recognizes the tragedy of Maul. That was hard for her little six-year-old mind to process. Like it, when you when you listen after the episode in the clip that Baron adds, like she really struggles with that because she's like they're friends, and I really liked how Obi Wan was taking care of his friends, but she couldn't understand why they were fighting. Like I had to try to explain that to her, and and that was was interesting. And for only twenty-two minutes, like this really packed a lot in there. I mean, you felt the sorrow that Ezra had when he realized that you were totally duped. Like he thought he was doing something important, and yet. Maul had turned every one of his desires on their head and used them as a Sith would. I mean, he was totally being played by the Sith and through all, all of it. It was brilliant. Mark, I completely agree with you. And, and the part where, like, 
Obi-Wan obviously didn't want to fight Darth Maul. Didn't he even say something like, like, this is inevitable for me to do, but I don't want to do it, like, to Ezra? Yeah. That's kind of an important moment. It shows that, like, Obi-Wan is nonviolent and he doesn't, he doesn't want to fight. He doesn't have to. Seeing Maul die was pretty hard. I know, like, it's not as hard as seeing Kenobi die. Maul has always been there from the start, in a way, since I was really little. Just having him, like, be like, oh, he's dead. Oh, wait, that, like, there's no really coming back from that. Unless they're all, I'm bringing you back from the dead. You are now a zombie. Like, like a <laughs> night sister's dad. <laughs> that, that's something, though, that I hadn't thought about for you two, especially. Like, you guys grew up where, you know, he was a character that was there from the start. I mean, that wasn't the case for me in Barrett, certainly, but... For you guys in the newer generations that are coming in and watching these in order, you know, Maul does carry more gravitas than I, I would naturally give him. And I, I I get what you're saying in the aspect of – I mean it's a three-move combo. I mean Kenobi does it fast. Like it's so fast you literally like blink. You're like, OK, Kenobi figured out left and right doesn't work. I got to go up and down this time. <laughs> well, you know, if you watched it, I've watched this move. I've watched those three moves over and over and over. And not only in that, I went back to episode one. And watched Maul when he fought Qui-Gon. He does the same exact move he did on Qui-Gon where he raises his lightsaber to hit Obi-Wan in the nose. Obi-Wan doesn't let that happen and that's when he chops him in half. That's, so, and, and that's great the way that they mirror like that. And you would think, you hear this whole time that Maul keeps saying, that's all I keep thinking about is killing Kenobi, going over in his head over and over. But it was actually Kenobi who was going over in his head and how he was going to take Maul out if he ever saw him again. And he did it in three moves. Ezra blows it and we lose an A-wing, you know? So you're like, Oh man, not only did you defy Hera, but you cost her an A-wing in a squadron of A-wings. He, he kind of gets away with it because he gets Darth Maul's ship, which we will again see, you know, play and factor into things. But is that, is that a decent enough trade off or, or should he see some heat for this? Can I just talk about how dope Maul's ship is? Like, actually, though, it, it's like it's it's red, like for the Mandalorians, and it's it's massive, it's huge, it's like the coolest ship ever. It's the Mandalorian transport, and now it's Ezra's ship. I know he he just put, like pulls it in the parking lot. I don't even know what was it called, the giant the garage that they lot. have. The hangar. <laughs> yeah, the hangar, and it's like it's like the biggest ship in the whole thing, and it's it's awesome. So a disclosure here, I've got the Hot Wheels Mandalorian fighter that we're talking about. And immediately when I saw this episode, the first thing I thought is, we've got to have a Mandalorian red one. Because we, it's, you know, it's Mandalorian blue, but we don't have the Maldalorian red that, that we see with Maul's ship. Maldalorian. Yeah, you know, I have that Mandalorian transport ship in the big three and three quarter inch scale. So oh. I'm going to throw some paint on there to make it Maul's. I mean... How awesome is it that that is Ezra's ship now? And we're going to see that ship. You know, when Ezra goes into space battles, he has to be flying Maul's ship now, right? It's awesome. Yeah. In fact, we found out the name. We were listening. It's in uh, part two of Zero Hour. Hera calls the ship the Gauntlet. And it was the only time we've heard any reference to it, which is weird because you would think Ezra would have named it. Like they would have made a point of Ezra naming it, you know, like maybe have him come up to Sabine being like, hey, you know, I want you to help me paint a logo on it. Like, like, that just seems like something that that character would totally naturally do as part of his progression. And yet, 
that didn't happen. And it wasn't until we're in the middle of the battle. I'm like, man, we haven't heard the name of the ship. Like he's not naming it. Like, like, you know, there was a moment where I was like, is it going to be Ezra's ship or is it just going to be part of the fleet? Like, how is that going to work? I mean, the ghost has been a family. It's been their home. You know, is this like Ezra moving out into an apartment kind of thing? Or like when Worf started living in the Defiant on Deep Space Nine? <laughs> when Ezra first gets to Tatooine, he's using using the holocrons as a kind of a tracker, kind of like a spider tra- a spidey tracer. First of all, they have 12 holocrons. I did not know they had so many holocrons. We counted those no, holocrons. No, these, these are the fragments of the two when they were combined at Malachor. When they pulled it out, it was Kanan and, and Ezra together to remove them. But when they came out, the holocrons were broken into shards. But they have two whole holocrons. The Sith holocron is not broken because that looked huge. And then they had another holocron that looked intact. Isn't that the one that Obi-Wan's like, hologram was out of? You would think so, but when you look at the the episode again, it's the Sith holocron that's actually doing Obi Wan's message, not because that's the one glowing, not the not the Jedi holocron. The Jedi holocron isn't working at all. It's the Sith holocron that's actually giving the message, which makes sense because it's Maul who's actually controlling these things. Oh, see, I, I disagree. I'm looking at the picture right now, and you can see the Sith one in the corner. It's the Jedi one that's lit up. The Jedi one's the square one. What happens let when me, they send... when they when they zoom in and it goes to the Sith? I thought the Jedi one wasn't lit up. It was just the Sith one that was lit up. And, and see, and that's something too that they play on at times, where that Sith one lights up and Ezra's eyes light up. Because didn't that also? Isn't that how it ended? Was the Sith one lit up and Ezra grabbed it? Yes, and and Ezra's eyes went kind of dark side, and we never ended that. You know, which that was an odd moment. It was an odd moment, and and it it makes sense that Maul and Ezra are linked, so he could be able to transport messages through the holocron, kind of like that, because they're linked. Yeah, that's. Oh, I guess you're right. I, I'm looking at the picture now. It's coming right out of the Jedi holocron, but they're linked, and. I was kind of hoping that Maul was going to come back and train Ezra a little bit more in the dark side and we can get a little bit more of that story. Now that Maul is dead, you know, that storyline has kind of dropped. I mean, we really haven't seen Ezra go to the dark side at all since that happened. Will we see him? I mean, is this that moment? (laughs) Who knows? But when he gets to Tatooine, Maul sets him up, right? We get... Two times where Maul tries to set him up to bring Obi-Wan Kenobi out. And Maul knows that using Ezra as a young Jedi apprentice that Obi-Wan will sense him and try to come save him. So he sets him up one with the Tusken Raiders, which was kind of cool to see the Tusken Raiders. And they do the, you know, many times they do that. Ezra escapes, you know, has Chopper with him. And then, what was it, the other time... Ezra just kind of falls into the desert, and we have Obi-Wan show up. That was a sad moment with Chopper, though. Did anyone else get the never-ending story uh, vibe? Be like Atreyu and Spartax. Like, no! Get out of the sand mud! Okay, so he he ran out of juice, right? And then Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, brought him back to the campsite. But mm-hmm. how does Obi-Wan Kenobi get power if he permanently lives in the desert to charge Chopper? Like, how does he get the power to charge Chopper? He had that battery pack. But, like, he had a battery pack? Yeah. Yeah, Chopper was hooked up to a battery pack. He he brought it with the do-pack. How does he charge the battery packs? Tashi Station, possibly? 
Yeah, it's it's basically so in Star Wars they don't have battery. They've got power converters, and basically it's like having a battery that that runs until it's completely out. It's like a charge station, uh, and with that you can power up the chargeable batteries, which like would be like your droid, your power cells, and your blasters, those type of things. Right, right. but but he always lives in the desert, and he never like leaves the desert. He hides out in the desert. Oh no, he does. He leaves. He just doesn't make a big splash in town. I guess. So. <laughs> See, that's not what I thought. I didn't think he, like, I didn't think that's why he went low. I thought it was because he uh, got sand in his joints. Because at the very beginning, is that right before they were going into the desert and stuff, Chopper was all like, um, no, uh, sand, no. And Ezra's all like, oh, come on, it's not that bad. And then he's like, oh. He's like, well, fine, okay. and then runs Yeah. His joints were getting, like, jammed with sand and stuff like that. Grinding. Yeah. You know, the Tatooine, the sand gets everywhere, as we know from Anakin. Everybody was about to die in this thing. Darth Maul was lost at the beginning. He was about to die. He was all sandy and dirty. Chopper drains down, sandy and dirty. Ezra, sandy and dirty, is about to die in the desert. Have a hallucination, yeah. (laughs) At least he didn't start singing. And... Obi-Wan shows up, and he is clean. The rest of the people who were on that planet to Obi-Wan, he was clean, he seemed very healthy, and he seemed like the ultimate Jedi Master. He's very calm when he shows up. He starts teaching Ezra immediately. He starts training him and and showing him wisdom. I love this version of Obi-Wan Kenobi. No, I got to agree with that. I, and, and Steve Stanton played the voice of Kenobi in this, which was great. Uh, you know, he definitely did a good job with that. I also, I, I thought it was kind of cool too in the aspect of with the Sand People, Maul comes back and wipes the rest of them out. And Legends has played with the theory, you know, that there were certain haunted camps in the Tuscans uh, that they wouldn't go to because of interactions they've had with Vader. And now you've got this one with, with Maul. So it's kind of like, Oh, that's kind of cool. That another dark taint on the uh, Tatooine landscape. <laughs> you start feeling bad for these Tuscan Raiders after a while, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're definitely getting the uh, shaft literally glowing and all. Oh, then I remember they kidnapped and murdered Annika's mom. Maybe they deserve what they Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. There were good people on both sides. They weren't all bad. That was just one tribe. <laughs> this version of Obi-Wan Kenobi was... I, I don't... I didn't... I didn't get any, like, Clone Wars vibes. I felt like he's sort of his own path from, from the Clone Wars series. He's his own character sort of thing. And, um... You're, you're right, he was like the ultimate Jedi Master, because you said that he was completely, like, dusted off, he he immediately started teaching Ezra, and he had, like, no exceptions, and then immediately, as soon as uh, Maul came, then he sends him off to, to Maul's ship, he's like, go north with my, with my back right, and then they, like, just travel over there, he's all calm the entire time, and he doesn't, like, break character until he starts fighting Maul, and then he and then he gets mad. Oh, are you protecting something and stuff? Because Kenobi was protecting somebody. Because at the very end of the episode, Maul's all like, is he the chosen one? And Kenobi's all like, I think yes. so, or something like that. And then it looks over to Luke, and Luke's running across the desert and everything back to Baru. And every, Luke, and Luke. Every, yeah, it was sad. It was a very sad moment. Oh, dad cry. Shut up. 
<laughs> I think Mark is always crying when he watches Rebels. It's and Star Wars. Luke. Luke was in Rebels. Like I, I mean, granted, granted, when I see that moment and I see Luke running across, like I'm envisioning six year old Jaina age Luke. I mean, granted, Luke's sixteen, but still, I was just like, Luke's in Rebels. Like, oh my god, we're one step closer. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of got the feels there too. When he's he's looking over Luke and he rubs his chin, and Obi Wan still has a little bit of the brown in his in his beard but everything else is white and he's there and Hera even says something he says why would Obi-Wan be hiding on some backward planet when he could be helping us yo that's like the first yeah because he's protecting Luke yeah it's good that you mentioned that because in the um same with the force awakens like the Luke is hiding out doing the same exact thing as Obi-Wan Kenobi just like hiding out just somewhere where no one would find him and that's like it, it reminded me of that as soon as uh, Hera said Except that. Except Luke isn't protecting anything, or so we don't know yet. But he's not now protecting someone. Him. Hope he's not now there protecting the porks. So, or maybe he's protecting the Journal of the Wills. Um, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Take a selfie with it. You can. He could. Pers- he could. He could copy those down. I don't know. Maybe he is protecting that. But it, I have a hard time swallowing Luke hiding. You know what I mean. Obi-Wan had a purpose to hide. He wasn't really hiding. He was protecting. Yoda, maybe he felt that he had to go somewhere and and hide before he could be used against the Rebellion. Who knows why he was hiding. But I like seeing Luke here. That was my main thing. I like seeing Luke. He's 16 years old. You see him bouncing around. You see the two twin sons. I kind of wish we would saw a version of Luke in Rebels. We would have seen his face with the blonde hair. Maybe we won't get that. We did get Leia, so who knows? Tay jumped on something here that I, I think we kind of need to address. I mean, to Kenobi, Luke is the chosen one, which in the in the fandom of Star Wars goes pretty much against everything Lucas has told us fans. He's always said that Anakin was the chosen one. It was Anakin's story. And yet for Legends fans such as myself that have – followed Luke's ongoing adventures and his children's adventures and his niece and nephew's adventures and stuff. You always had the sense that the chosen one bloodline definitely flowed through each of these individuals, that they were equally as chosen as Anakin was. But now Kenobi flat out gives us the point of view that it's Luke and not Anakin who's chosen to bring balance back to the force. And that's somewhat controversial in this day and age. That would be a perfect opportunity for us to give our 1 through 10 scores on this. So uh, I'll just go ahead and jump in, give you guys some time to formulate what you guys think. I mean, I know you know 22 minutes of, of a lot of epic music and characters and lightsaber action and three moves. Uh, you know, this was an intense episode. Uh, for me, you know, this one really, it delivered a lot of what felt mystical about Star Wars. I mean, there wasn't much to this, and yet this delivered on so many levels that it was very gratifying, very satisfying to watch. I would say this was an easy nine and a half just because, I mean, it covered so many things. It's a fate episode. Like, I love things that deal with end fates for characters. Uh, you know, like Dark Disciple, you get to, to learn some fates for certain characters that we followed in the Clone Wars. And the fact that Maul was resurrected in the Clone Wars and his fate was left open enough that, that we still don't know what happened to him in Legends. Like, that I've been wanting to know for the longest time. You know, what happened to Maul? Is Maul out there? Is Maul Snoke? Like, I used to think that. Now I don't. <laughs> uh, in this episode, it delivered. It provided. And for that, I am... I'm internally grateful to a good, good solid 9.5. Baron? You think everybody's Snoke. Ezra Snoke. <laughs> this is true. 
Everybody's Snoke except you know. That's, he's a, he's a shapeshifter, and we'll find out. Like he'll go through like all the all the bodies, like the T two and the metal at the end. We're gonna find out that Ray is Snoke. Watch. I absolutely loved this episode. Really sad to see him go. You you guys are both right because it's you know you're just mentally attached to him. He is your Sith Lord, really. I mean, kind of. Vader was our Sith Lord. Maul is is your Sith Lord. He is the Sith Lord that has was seen around more than any of them, actually, in Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah, that makes uh, Kylo the Sith Lord of Jaina's generation. That like Coke Zero or something. <laughs> that, nope. and, and that was something when when we were talking about the trailer for the Star Wars report of, is there anything out there that you could think would would benefit or redeem Kylo? Because like this episode for for Maul. Like that reverence that Kenobi had, like it felt like every fan had that too. Where you're like, you know, you felt bad that he was dying because you felt like, you know, he had a rough go. He had no choices in life. He was the Sith Lord that he was forced to be. Whereas Kylo had more choices. Like it, it's it's interesting the story of redemption and, and the characters we are and aren't willing to redeem. The best thing about Kylo Ren is that Nathan P. Butler likes him, and I have something to argue with him about. That's the best thing about Kylo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Take us out, Mark. All right. So that wraps up this episode of the Padawan's Perspective. We'd like to thank everyone who joined us today for coming in and giving us a listen. You can find links to our episodes directly at the Star Wars Report website's second airborne division of podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Now, lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention you our Audible trial. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report, you get a free trial run of audible.com to see what they're all about. Audible has more than 100,000 titles for you to explore. you got titles from the Expanded Universe or any other genre, all of them without the risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate because Audible members, they can exchange any book within 12 months. That's one year with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making that switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So for the Padawan's perspective, this has been Mark. Tay. Barrett. And Pharaoh. Who's doing the outro? Go ahead, Taylor. You can do the outro. Okay. Until next next time, I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong. Good lord! There's two next time? No, I still haven't fixed that. You still haven't fixed that yet? Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Theme song by Subconscious Tunes. Announcements by Brock. Sponsored by War Machine Marketing. Remember, you can find the Padawan Perspective and all the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Podcast at www.starwarsreport.com. I said he always has these like temp- temper tantrums. Kylo Ren. I don't even know what those. Okay, anyway, go. Yeah, they call him Darth Tantrum. <laughs> yes. That actually, you know, if they'd have found some way to to put that, like Darth Rage, like that, that would worked. You know. <laughs> yeah, Darth 
whiny man. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I can't stand Kylo. I cannot stand Kylo. God, he killed Han Solo. Really kill. All right, all right. Before I even kill Han Solo, I couldn't stand him. I remember God. sitting in the theater, and I had two, the only two guys that were like the same amount obsessed with Star Wars with me in the entire school that was in that theater, and my dance teacher was behind us, and as soon as Han Solo died, all of us were crying. Like, all of us were all like, no! Like, oh my god, it was such a sad moment. I I remember when she came back from that, she's like, I'm sorry I bought you that poster, because she bought me a a Kylo Ren poster at a book fair, and I had it above my bed, and we didn't know that he was going to be, you know, we thought he was going to be a bad apple, not a bad egg. (laughs) I was so, because Dad's all like, I don't like Kylo Ren. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I was like, I should have bought you the Stormtrooper. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she took it hard, man. She took it really hard. Yeah. So this was last year, too. All right. It's Master Mark here. I have got the youngling of the group with us, Jaina. Say hello, Jaina. Hello. All right. We are talking about twin sons. And Jaina, what did you think of the episode? It's kind of good, but it's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. And what was it that was good about it? What did you like? Um, 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 I can eat that one. Hmm? Dad? What? Um, I, um, um, when... He got back. He was mad because he didn't listen to her. That's true. He didn't listen to her. And what happened? What happened to the ship that he took? Um, he took an A-Wing. Did he bring his A-Wing back? Yeah. No, he brought a different ship back. What happened to his A-Wing? It got broke. Yeah. So what did he almost cost them? He almost cost the rebels a ship, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that was a consequence of his not listening to her, right? Uh huh. Uh-huh. What kind of th- that kind of stuff happens for you, right? If you get told not to climb up on something, and you do it, and then you trip and fall, right? Yeah. Careful. So, what did what was some of the things you didn't like? What was the sad things of this episode? Well, when Darth Maul died, um, it was kind of weird because. Um, what's his name again? Obi-Wan? Yeah, Obi-Wan liked him because he was his best friend. Oh, you you felt like the way he caught him and, and treated him at the end was like he was his best friend? And yeah. And that was weird because they were fighting? Yeah, so, and then they got together. So the reason for that is is because Obi-Wan recognized that Maul was basically a victim uh, That's his, a victim. Well, so Maul was raised a bad guy. Maul never really had much of a choice or much of a chance. And basically that drove everything for Maul in the end. And Maul ended up taking him to a place where it got him killed. And Obi-Wan felt very bad for Maul because he realized that Maul was just being used by Palpatine, the Emperor. Oh. oh. So what was one of your favorite things in this episode? Well, my favorite thing um what was when um 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 what's his name? Ezra? No. Maul? No. Obi Wan? Yeah. Okay. Um when Ob 
Obi Wan cared for him. Um, they um um. Is he talking about the, the、um, campfire? Um, he he cared for both of them, and on accident, on accident, he killed his best friend. Oh, okay. okay. So you like that Kenobi is he cares for everybody, and、yeah. and it was really weird. Well, so so Maul wasn't there to be friends with with Ben. Okay, Maul was there to kill、But、Ben. He was going to fight Ben and make sure Ben didn't walk away. Who's Ben? Ben is old Kenobi, the Jedi. So so Maul, the guy with the red lightsaber, was there to be a bad guy. He was going to hurt the guy with the blue lightsaber. And he used Ezra to get there and to bring Kenobi to him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so that's why Obi Wan had to put him down. But still, what's interesting though is if you watch, if you and, and you're young, you probably don't remember this. But if you watch the first episode, it's okay. I got you. If you watch episode one, when Maul comes, he kills Obi Wan's master, Qui Gon Jinn, and Obi Wan slices Maul in half. And we think that Obi Wan kills Maul. For the longest time, we thought that, and then later in the Clone right, Wars, right, we found、right. out that Maul didn't die. So, in a sense, we've come full circle, where Obi Wan is again the one to put Maul down. It's kind of kind of cool. So, overall, would you say it was a good episode? Was it a solid one? What would you say if you had to go one being worst and ten being the best? What number would you give this? Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Twenty tens. Okay, I like that. That's a solid ten. A twenty ten. All right. So with that, we thank everybody for allowing Jana to have this time with you today. Say thank you, Jay. Thank you. And bye bye.